Don't pretend we're dumb on the internet, guys. Please don't. We're so <laughs> smart. You know where we're especially smart? On our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to start off with an ad because we never do that. You can join us on our Patreon. Please do. Last week, we talked about the controversy, which shouldn't be a controversy, over um, Ariel being uh, black. Yeah. And, shouldn't uh, be one at all. This we've week. We've talked about Coke. Oh, we've talked about <laughs> that Coke. That was a riveting conversation. A cola. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've definitely, this week, we're going to talk about our spirit animals. <gasps> Interesting. It's so, also a very, like, controversial subject. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, so yeah, do we think even the term spirit animal is, is okay? appropriate? Is it appropriate? We're going to get into it, guys, on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a little shout out. Man, I love listener Maureen. She's great. Maureen sent us a post <laughs> this week from Bustle that I thought was so funny. Yeah. Which is, wait, Connecticut is real? I thought they made that up for Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> I laughed so Maureen. hard. I know I just gave it a like on Instagram because I'm bad with words when I'm typing them. But I thought it was... <laughs> so funny yeah it was a it was an actual laugh out loud it was i did and i will again whenever you. you send me things um <laughs> but we're not here to talk about gilmore girls well <laughs> maybe not yet uh we're here to talk about herstory on the rocks with katie and Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. And we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time. And we're also not historians. Mm. And Mm. we're starting a drink in because we just interviewed the creator of an actual spirit brand. An actual gin. We are amazing. She's so cool. I said we. (laughs) (laughs) Brand is Pomp and Whimsy. You can find it on our Instagram now. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So exciting. Very good gin. Yeah. Um, All right. So, you know, we're doing this and you're out trying to find Pomp and Whimsy in the store right now. Only if you live in 13 states, though. Yeah, it's a little hard to find if you are um, outside of the big 13, as we like to call them. <laughs> I don't even know what states they officially are. But <laughs> the colonies. <California>. <laughs> we went opposite sides <laughs> yeah. of the country. Um, the ones with the most electoral votes. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the ones That's that have. the one that have Pomp and Whimsy. Um, but you can still order it offline, too, yes, guys. So, you know, you can get it. Okay, but, but anyways, you're busy looking you're for busy it. you're busy looking for it. You're in your liquor store. You're overwhelmed there's a lot of choices and so you're listening to us in your earbuds while you're at the store so you can't take a look at your phone Mm -hmm. and google what these women look like because you need to focus Mm -hmm. um so what we're going to do here now is we're going to describe what they look like so you can have a picture in your head while we're talking about them (gasps) we're gonna get a little physical physical Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? So I'm doing the Queen of Hearts, <laughs> but there are so many descriptions yeah. of the Queen of Hearts. So first and foremost, I obviously want to talk about the card deck. The mm-hmm. Queen of Hearts mm-hmm. is one of the red suits in the traditional 52 card deck. She's usually in an elaborate yellow and black checkered collar with a dress and head covering that is made of designs in red white black and yellow the colors of the maryland flag i'd like to point (laughs) out in alice in wonderland the book and the disney cartoon the queen of hearts is just the embodiment of angry passion yes and she is short plump woman Especially in the books, her face kind of looks like a frog. Yeah, it does. Um, it's the way that I feel like they describe um, Dolores Umbridge in um, the actual Harry like Potter a books. Like a big-throated yeah. person. Right. Yeah. Um, 
she has again an elaborate patterned dress with with patchwork that again in the Disney movie shares the Maryland flag colors yes, just like the card deck. <laughs> uh, they really drew from the card deck, which I didn't realize until I did this research. She has a black hair that is covered up most of the time by a royal mantle in mm-hmm. the book, which is just that headpiece that kind of looks like a dormer on a house. Mm-hmm. And she in the movie, though, has a small golden crown like perched on top of her head. Uh, in more recent times a lot of people associate the tim burton version of the queen of hearts with this character but she is not the queen of hearts she is the red queen and that is from a different lewis carroll book so Mm -hmm. don't get mad at me for Mm -hmm. not describing it Mm -hmm. and that's what she looks like (laughs) what do your woman women (laughs) two women look like so i am doing the margarets of denmark um so Margaret the first has been described as a beautiful woman with dark hair, dark eyes, an intimidating gaze, and the aura of absolute authority. Sam. She was born in the 1300s, so she is very old, uh, and she might have worn a dormer. Actually, I think she's pictured as wearing one in one of her portraits. So she kind of looks like the queen of hearts in the card game, which is very interesting. Um, Margaret II, we obviously have a much better sense of what she looks like because she is the current Queen of Denmark. She is an 82-year-old white Danish woman. She is six feet tall. She does not look that tall in her photos. But she's got the best neck. She does have a very good neck. She has white hair that is usually swept up with a tiara on top. She has a small pointed face and wears rimless glasses. And there's a picture of her in black and a black hat. And she looks exactly like Ms. McGonagall. She's amazing. She typically wears red lipstick and is most often wearing brightly colored clothes that they, they have a story of their own. That's interesting because I always picture her in either that like bright red dress or that bright blue dress. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All the pictures online. I don't even know that I've seen her in a picture in black. If you look up, yeah, there's one picture of her in black. Okay. And then maybe it was her at Queen Elizabeth's funeral recently because she went, she got COVID. She's fine. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Maggie, how are you? But, um, but yeah, all of her other clothing, she's not wearing like ball gowns is like real wacky and we'll get into why that is. Wow. All right. So now that we have our descriptions, we need to get into this first cocktail. What is it? This cocktail is called off with their heads. (laughs) Had to yell it. Sorry about your ears. (laughs) It is, um, one little teeny ounce of Malibu just sitting in there. secret. A whole bunch of raspberry vodka, Mm -hmm. um, some amaretto, And then you put it over ice with ginger ale on top, but you rim the glass in white (laughs) icing, but then you cover the white icing in red sprinkles to pretend it's not there because you got to paint those roses. Yes, you do. Paint them. Cheers. That tastes like a cherry slushy. It's so interesting. Doesn't it taste like a cherry slurpee? Yeah, a mm. little less syrupy. Yeah, the definitely less syrupy. Comes but in at that. 
But I think that this is so good, and I've never had frosting on the edge of a cocktail glass. Uh-huh. We've done, like, frozen chocolate, but this is delicious. It smells good. It makes it smell like a cake it when does. you're coming it's, up to it. It's like a red velvet cocktail. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's this. That's what it is. There All right. Delightful. I've done it. You did it. <laughs> I made a red velvet cocktail. Hurrah. <laughs> Time to leave. Okay. What do you know about the Queen of Hearts? Okay. I know that she's really crazy in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> she is so mean to her subjects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she always made me mad when I was a kid because she's very contradictory. Oh, yeah. You know, and she was one of the most frustrating fictional characters when I was a kid. You know, because I was like, but she just told her to do that. And now she's mad at her. Like, very frustrating. Um, and I know that she is um, on the card decks and... I, Casey and I have accidentally started collecting various decks of cards over the years. Yeah. And one of my favorites is um, one where it's like little doggies getting into trouble. <laughs> Stop. Like the copper tone one pulling yes. down the pantsies. It'll Love be that. like a dog getting into like a basket of laundry, but it'll be pulling out like a, like a, a sheet. But it's like the five of hearts and there's like five hearts on the sheet. (laughs) And the dog queen of hearts is absolutely delightful. Do you play with these cards or you just hold on to them? I'm actually bummed. We actually do play with all of our cards. We play with them all the time. Um, But it's, uh, we actually gave that one to Casey's mother. Oh, cute. So do you want to know a precious little secret? Yes. My dad has been collecting card decks since the 50s. (gasps) He has like boxes. I'd love to see his collection. Okay. I... Yeah, I, I'll tell him to get him out. Yeah. <laughs> bring him out. Bring him out. Bring out the car. Rest in peace, Coolio. <laughs> That's not his song. But. And he's alive, I think. <laughs> no, he died today. Allie. Jesus Christ, I have been nowhere today. <laughs> Coolio died today. You're lying. <laughs> I swear oh, to God. Shit. Cardiac arrest. Gangster's paradise. Yeah. <laughs> Life. <laughs> That's where he is. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, not Very... funny. Okay. We, all, we only mourn women on this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. We're going to do this story. It's not incredibly long because in the 1865 novel, she only appears in chapters 8, 9, 11, and 12. And Katie did a wonderful episode on the background of Alice from Alice in Wonderland. So Mm -hmm. if you want like a partner to this podcast, um, you can go back and listen to that one because it tells really a great background. But I'm Mm -hmm. talking about the fictional character today. Also, while I was doing this research, I want you to know that I kept thinking how much I wanted to see you portray her on like a high school play stage. <laughs> because after you did The Wicked Witch and The Wizard of Oz, I was just thinking how great this was. Well, thank you. I yeah. also love to throw temper tantrums. It's so it's amazing. right up my alley. <laughs> up your what? <laughs> Me? Thanks. You know what's right up Katie's alley? <laughs> Why um, have we never thought of that one before? And uh. then also, a couple years back, my sister did the most perfect Queen of Hearts Halloween costume. She literally made a collar out of a card deck. And I was like, that's... I don't remember that. It was so fucking cool, Katie. I'll have to have her was send I a picture. Wasted? Yes. We were all <laughs> wasted. I saw her beforehand. It was the year Eliza dressed up as Alice because I have pictures of them together. I also don't remember. They were were really young. The kids were really, really young. Okay. Okay. So before we get into the character that was created by Lewis Carroll and made famous by Disney, Mm -hmm. I want to talk 
about her before she was the tyrant of Wonderland. So we're going to start with the card deck. In a traditional 52-card card deck, which are called French playing cards or traditional French playing cards, the queen is a face card that is ranked between the king and the jack. In many games, including Trex, French Bardou, and Hearts, the queen is a card that you're supposed to avoid because you lose points when you get it or can lose the hand or lose the game. On um, the French Patterns card deck, the hearts and all of the face cards are identified as an actual specific person that either in history or mythology. So the queens in that deck are the queen of spades is the goddess Athena. The queen of diamonds is the biblical figure Rachel, hmm. which is the one who like tricks Leah out of getting married. Right. Is that I correct? Believe it. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, <clears throat> or opposite leah tricks rachel leah tricks rachel he's supposed to marry rachel okay. and he accidentally marries leah right because he got her drunk on the wedding night Mm-mm. no she wore a veil she wore a veil and she Tricky. was like i'm not taking the veil off and he was like okay <laughs> and then he married her and she took a veil. She goes, ha! but i also think her dad was a part of the thing because he wanted who was it joseph or whatever mm. to, um work for him because remember he was working towards yeah seven years seven and then seven years, more years seven more for, years okay yeah. so it's rachel this yeah. is the queen of diamonds so she's the diamond in the rough wow. you're waiting for interesting then the queen of clubs is called origin or Oregon, which is an anagram for regina which is latin for queen hmm. and then the queen of hearts is the biblical figure judith now wait yeah who cuts the head off yep I love that. Off with love their that. heads. Ah! I didn't know the Bible was going to be such a big part of this. Uh, me either. <laughs> so I also find it very interesting that both the diamonds and the hearts, they're the two red suits, are both biblical figures. Yeah. And the others, one's Greek mythology and one is just like Latin. Mm. So I thought that I don't have any connection for that. I just thought it was interesting. So, as we just alluded to, Judith was an exemplary Jewish woman who was also a very beautiful widow. And her town is under siege. And um, she learns that the elders of her town aren't going to do anything about it. They're just going to wait for God to handle it. And she's like, I don't want this to happen. She implores them to go and take some action. And when they don't, she decides that she's going to pretend to leave the city. Um, gets invited into the tent of the officers of the opposing forces. And then when she, when later that night, when he's drunk and alone in a tent with her, she cuts his fucking head off. Yes, yeah, she does. It's <laughs> <laughs> like my favorite story when I was like, a hero. <laughs> a hero. <sighs> The best. The absolute best. <laughs> the elders, we should wait for God to handle it or just cut his fucking head off. <laughs> like, well, I what? love that too because, like, that's something that like is very was very clear to me throughout like my you know christian upbringing was that like i was always told like god helps those who help themselves like you can't just wait for like i'll never forget this woman that i was a mom of a girl went to school with she was like well i'm praying for god to give me a ferrari i was like maybe you should work outside of open bible and then maybe you know save up enough money to buy a ferrari like and also what a weird thing to ask god for what a very weird goal yeah like maybe get a more manageable car and spend your money on going to Italy. Yeah. And like getting some life experience so that you don't spend your life thinking about Ferraris. 
It's just a weird. I don't know. That always like stuck in my head. I'm like, what a weird thing to Yo, ask. Ferraris God are for. Italian cars, right? Is that did I get that right? Did I do all yeah, that correct in my head? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, we needed That's the, the one. That's Okay, the one. got it. All right. So then also. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but in 1901, there's this anonymously written poem in the Mother Goose nursery rhyme <laughs> called The Queen of Hearts based on the playing card. And this is after the book came out, right? The book, Alice in Wonderland, came out mm-hmm. in the 1800s. This is 1901, and it says, The Queen of Hearts, she made some tarts all on a summer day. The Knave of Hearts, he stole those tarts and took them clean away. The King of Hearts called for the tarts and beat the Knave full sore. The Knave of Hearts brought back the tarts and vowed he'd steal no more. It's weird because that's ringing weird bells in my like, head. <laughs> my mom definitely read me that yes. poem. I'm sure of it. But it's also interesting because in the book, not necessarily the movie, Alice gets in trouble for defending the Knave. There's also a stealing of tarts. Yes, somewhere in the book. In the bo- okay, it is in the book. Okay. So this poem either was out and Lewis Carroll like pulled from it, or was written afterwards and put in Mother Goose. Mm. So either way, there's some connection here. Mm-hmm. But people believe that this poem is about Elizabeth of Bohemia. She was mm. the queen consort of the Holy Roman Emperor. Um. Because his reign only lasted for one year, she was known as the Winter Queen. Like, you're here for one season and gone. Mm. They were eventually... It was a confusing story, and I couldn't get into it. But they were eventually (laughs) exiled, I believe, and... um, Their family had been killing a whole bunch of Protestants, again, with the off with their heads. Mm -hmm. But... She also in her life dealt with her husband dying and a whole bunch of her children dying. And apparently she felt that so deeply. She was a big mourner. And I just think that makes her very queen of heartsy. Like Mm -hmm. your heart is cut so deep by losing these people you Mm -hmm. love. Now the queen of hearts is a fictional character as we know in Lewis Carroll's book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, but she is not the main antagonist. That comes later with the Disney version. Mm -hmm. She is in the story childish, foul-tempered. She is a monarch that Carol describes as blind fury Mm. who is quick to give death sentences at the slightest offense. Alice in the book describes her as a card from a pack, yet she's able to talk and is the ruler of the land. But she's not, doesn't look like a card no. in the artistry or in the Disney. Interesting. But I guess maybe the play, the, um, maybe the face cards got bodies, I guess. Like they got to fully embody something, whereas the yeah. number cards didn't. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. A basic overview of what kind of happens in her story is that Alice observes three playing cards painting white roses red. When the queen approaches, they drop to the ground, face down, prostrating for the queen. Alice has never met the queen, um, but the queen shows up and asks Alice who's lying on the ground, and she can't tell them because all cards look the same on the back. (laughs) And the queen gets very frustrated and wants to cut off Alice's head, but is talked down by her calm-tempered husband. And I'm going to hit this point a lot she is written by a white man who, in my opinion, is angry about his singleness and a little bit of a predator. Mm-hmm. And he is 
undermining a female ruler. Yeah. Who at that time is also a female ruler in his country. It almost feels too like he's mad at like, again, you'll understand this more if you haven't listened to Alice, the episode about Alice. Cause like Alice Liddell was a real girl that he was weird with, you know, and like very weird relationship. It almost seems too like he's mad at like mothers for being like, why can't I just hang out with your children? <laughs> it's like, can you please leave my kid alone? <laughs> yeah. Like almost like this buck against the authority that like, you know, and I don't even know if where I landed on the episode. Like, I think I landed on like, he probably wasn't like physically, like, physically assaulting these kids. But like, he definitely had like, like her parents had reason to be concerned. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we have reason to be concerned about his his behavior, <laughs> yes. behavior with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely an innocent until proven guilty, but like yeah. it's looking suspicious. And also, maybe it's like this kind of um, uh, antagonism towards adult women. Like, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely, because he definitely gravitated towards female children i agree maybe that's also coming into it you know i'm no psychologist (laughs) (laughs) we just talked to one so it rubbed off yeah (laughs) so we soon learned that other than her hobby of ordering executions the queen loves to play croquet where the balls are live hedgehogs (laughs) and the mallets are flamingos okay i can get behind that lewis i can get behind it so cute The hedgehogs often scatter away and the arches are playing cards and they have to move or adjust anytime the queen orders them to go execute someone or when they just want her to win. They're like jumping around. It's so, so fun. In the book, the game ends because all the cards have to leave and execute people, but it's just Alice and the king and queen like standing there (laughs) still playing croquet, but with nothing to do. Despite the frequency of death sentences, though, it seems that the king of hearts undermines her regularly and quietly pardons many if not all of the subjects when the queen is not looking because even though all of the creatures and subjects in wonderland deeply fear the queen the griffin in the book tells alice quote it's all her fancy she executes nobody you know so I have a question about the king consort and what the fuck he's dabbling in, like not talking to his wife about this. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Very interesting. It, it's almost like this thing of like, well, we let the ladies like to think they have power, but they really don't. Right. Really, this I'm is in what they would do with it. Right. <laughs> in the final chapters, the queen sentences Alice to death again for defending the knave of hearts. This is in the book. In portrayals today, though, she plays the villain character. But in the book, she doesn't play that purpose. She's just one other obstacle in Mm -hmm. Alice's path. Like, that was Lewis Carroll's goal. It's the rabbit and the Mad Hatter and the Cheshire Cat, who I think is the actual villain of the story. Yeah. Creepy as fuck. Mischievous. Pushing people, kicking the queen in the butt during court cases. Yeah. Not nice. Well, that's like the book. There are so many characters. Mm. In, if you haven't read out, it's not a long read. And it's no. a, it is interesting because there are so many characters that didn't make it into the movie that are bananas. It is like <laughs> Gulliver's Travel slash Odysseus mm-hmm. Homer slash Alice. Like just going through these obstacles, nonsensical details for no reason. Yeah. That exactly are very fresh. They like, 
it, it you do feel mad by the end you're of it. just angry yeah you're <laughs> like angry, the queen no wonder the queen is so pissed <laughs> she's frustrated because she of probably the, came into this as a very sensible person yeah, and then the she's kingdom like, she has this. to rule is bananas there's a dodo bird running around there's people killing oysters <laughs> killing oysters <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedledum are like the senators it's an issue yeah. <laughs> everybody's eating mushrooms <laughs> and smoking caterpillars I don't know it's crazy okay mm. The queen is believed by some people to be a caricature of Queen Victoria. She was, of course, the queen at the time. And there are elements in the story that make it immediately recognizable to parents in the UK then that it was her. But then it was fantasy enough for kids to not recognize it. One comparison that a lot of people have made is that she was a very powerful woman we know that she would kind of go into these rages and run around and yell at her husband in the castle and they would have these big brawls and that he was very calm-tempered but not well-respected because he was foreign. So, like, but then she would have kids and he would take the power because she had nine fucking children and she hated being a mother and she was mad that she had to pass the power over to her husband. So a lot of people are like, this is very much Lewis carol like making a caricature about the government at the time which like ballsy move yeah (laughs) she could also or pieces of it could have also been a reference to queen margaret of house of lancaster who during the war of the roses had a red rose symbol on their house shield and the rival house of york had a white rose symbol on their shield interesting very cool After unsuccessfully trying to illustrate Alice's adventure in Wonderlands, Lewis Carroll was persuaded to employ a professional artist to provide the illustrations. His inspiration for the Queen of Hearts was from this um, stained glass window in Holy Trinity Church of the Duchess of Norfolk. And she kind of like has her head side. It looks nothing. (laughs) It looks nothing like the Queen of Hearts. But that's what they said the inspiration is. Okay. Um, And the way they did it is they engraved wooden blocks and then put ink on it and used it almost like stamp rollers to get out those pictures. And there's this really famous one of her standing very short and plump and pointing Mm -hmm. her finger. It's a side profile. And it's the one I think of when I think of her. Agree. The, The... Pictures in the original book are so good. So good. I love it. Nice job, whoever you are. (laughs) Good going. You. You're dead. (laughs) She's often mistaken, like I said, during physical for the Red Queen. In the story's sequel, Through the Looking Glass, Lewis Carroll said, I pictured to myself the Queen of Hearts as a sort of embodiment of ungoverned passion and blind, aimless fury. The Red Queen I pictured as fury, but of another type. Her passion must be cold and calm. She must be formal and strict, yet not unkindly. The 10th degree, the contradicted essence of all governess to me this sounds like bloody mary and her half-sister queen elizabeth yes because Mm -hmm. when i think about helena bottom carter as the red queen she's got the white face makeup Mm -hmm. she's got the big red hair she's got the eccentric like neck out thing that shakespeare neck thing and i just think like you're talking about blind fury the way that people saw 
Mary Boleyn versus the way they see the Virgin Queen yeah. Elizabeth the first. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting that he wrote both of these queens as evil, but evil in different ways. Yes. In many books and movies, the two characters are conflated, but it is very, they even say each other's lines in some movies, but it's important to like draw the line. Yeah. In Disney animated feature, she is the main villain Mm -hmm. and she makes her appearance at the climax of the movie after Alice has gone through so much to get through the keyhole, to get where she needs to go. She's grown. She's shrunk. She's followed a rabbit. She's talked to some that there goes bill <laughs> she's <laughs> best character that's the chimney sweep right yes <laughs> she, she talks to um like people all over this kingdom and she finally meets this queen the queen is voiced by verna felton who is like has this haughty like sadist type voice <laughs> like yeah. it's really crazy and i think like the capital scene that the queen is in is this kangaroo trial for Mm -hmm. alice involving the mad hatter the march hare the dormouse the cheshire cat like everybody she has met is like testifying and they're all it reminds me of the final episode of seinfeld where where everybody's lined up at the back yeah like we fucking hate this crew yep And then, of course, Alice eats a mushroom and grows huge and then calls the queen some nasty names, fat, pompous, bad-tempered tyrant, (laughs) and then shrinks down to her little, little size. But one thing that's interesting about the Queen of Hearts is that she has become an iconic Disney villain. Mm -hmm. She is pictured with Jafar and Ursula and Maleficent Mm -hmm. and, you know, the evil queen, Cruella de Vil. She is one of them. And I think... Well, I wrote down 10 reasons I think that's true. (laughs) I think, A, she's super ruthless. Well, I'll say 10. Nine, her outfit's iconic. Iconic outfit. Mm -hmm. Eight, she is slowly built up through the movie. You never see her, but everybody is agitated about her. The whole movie. Seven, she has a very small amount of screen time, but a huge impact. Same with the book. Mm -hmm. Six, her relationship to the king is bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Five, Alice's kangaroo trial is crazy. Four, anybody who plays croquet is the shit. Mm -hmm. I love watching people play croquet. I love watching, playing croquet myself. I loved seeing it on Bridgerton. I tried with your family. I hated it. I know you hated it, but it's so fun. But you (laughs) looked good with the mallet. Thank you. It was a very cute mallet pick. Okay. Three, there's so much history behind her character. Mm -hmm. And everybody plays cards. So they're like, oh, yeah, the Queen of Hearts. Makes Mm -hmm. sense. Okay. (sighs) I'm loving this. Okay. (laughs) Two, her staff is so fucking scared of her. This is like a true Ellen DeGeneres situation. (laughs) (laughs) People are really, truly upset. And then one, she has such a big personality she's like the type of person so i put this on my story every time it comes up where she says oh i'm too much go find less (laughs) every time i put that on my story every time i see it posted on the internet that's so funny because i am often told to like be less Mm -hmm. and i'm like i can't i physically can't literally can't and even if i wanted to I wouldn't want to. I don't want to. (laughs) So there, I also think that she has this thing where she like tries to keep it together for like a hot second. And she's like, okay, I'll play by the rules. And she goes, okay, I'm not going to play by the rules. And then she like absolutely becomes a lunatic. She's like, everybody around me is idiot. Yeah. And like, I love the moments where she's like, no, everyone will be fooled by me trying to be calm for literally one second. 
<laughs> Title of my and memoir. I love her for that. Because yes. it doesn't matter because she's the queen anyway. Right. You know, so she doesn't cares? have to try. She doesn't have to be I, polite. But I looked a lot online for stories about the impact of her character. And honestly, there isn't a lot because Lewis Carroll's book was not written to have plot. It's a set yeah. of stories. And he did that on purpose because mm-hmm. it was a whimsical story for children child that he was obsessed with so i think the impact is we can see what an 1800s man thought of women being rulers Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's far off from today and i think that is the impact that people are like they're wild and crazy they try to be calm and play nice but really they're off their fucking rocker and i think that's the number one thing that we can learn from the queen of hearts yeah I totally agree. And that is her story. I love it. There was so many ladies involved in yeah, that. There. <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but it was the best I could do with the four great. slimy chapters I had, yeah. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's great. And I think we need to get into some real queens to see how they actually rule. Can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> we'll be right back. back third cocktail of the night third cocktail of the night <laughs> i'm feeling great uh this one is another red cocktail it's a red <laughs> week i didn't realize we were being so royal we are well and also because the danish flag is red like so red red. and white yeah. so yeah this is um yeah very interesting things going on here <laughs> um so do you want to know this second red cocktail you're about to drink i would really really truly like to know about okay. it okay so this is called Great Danes. <laughs> Stop it. That's adorable. That's adorable. Uh, and this is actually based off of a real cocktail called the Copenhagen cocktail. Okay. So it is an ounce of gin, an ounce of aquavit, an ounce of cherry schnapps, a little bit of lemon juice, and a little bit of honey. And you shake it all up, pour it in. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's Ooh. so good. The Aquavit comes through. Yes, it does. And two margarets. Two oh, garnishes yes. for two, two margarets. Two garnishes for two margarets. You garnish with a cherry and a lime twist. So, but yeah, I really like this. I really this. like it too. I enjoy when you use Aquavit because <sighs> I don't have it at my house. So <laughs> I can always borrow it. I know. I, always, I can so text much. you midday. But... <laughs> You know, but yeah, the aquavit is something. It's very interesting, and I like using it when it has like a specific impact, like this. Yeah, like I definitely. It's one of those cocktail things I don't regret buying because, like, when I use it, I really love it, and I, I love it in this cocktail. I think this is very good. Everybody, go buy it. <laughs> Please when, do. When, when me and Katie eventually have a book or some sort of brand, <laughs> or I quit my job and actually pay attention to this podcast, then you'd be able to then. buy it. Then, then. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you know about 
either of the Queen Margarets of Denmark. So I know nothing about Margaret the first. Mm-hmm. The only reason I know anything about Margaret the second is that I do the Today in History posts every day. Mm-hmm. And on her birthday or the day she was inaugurated or stuff like that, it comes up on a lot of the searches I look for. Because it's actually, every try it, Google like what happened in women's history today. You'll find like shit that we post mm-hmm. if you put the word herstory. Yep. But then like there's very few. There's a couple like Women's History Alliance, but mm-hmm. it's very hard to find so this woman comes up a lot queen Mm -hmm. margaret ii the current queen of denmark and i just can't help posting pictures of her because she's always in profile yeah her neck is like a ballerina Mm -hmm. she's in a fancy dress and a nice tiara um i know that denmark owns greenland as a colony i know that denmark is small and like reaches out into the north or Aegean sea like a psycho mm-hmm. um i think it's technically part of scandinavia which mm-hmm. is where 40 percent of my body is from apparently mm-hmm. and that's it i don't know anything about her or either of them i just thought her pictures were pretty <laughs> i judged a book entirely <laughs> by its cover katie and Perfect. chose <laughs> to um put her on this podcast so i'm sorry if this research was terrible for you (laughs) no once i decided what to do it was great because this is the thing yo it's a fever dream when you are starting research it's hard and (laughs) margaret the second there is like nothing on her Hmm. so i was like do i wax and wane about margaret the second or do i kind of figure out okay well there must have been a margaret the first so who is that Mm. then i found margaret the first who is fascinating so i'm going and i was like maybe i should just do margaret the first i was like you know what neither story is actually long enough to make one whole podcast about so i'm gonna do both perfect so two ladies two margarets two great danes uh my sources today are wikipedia history tea time with Lindsay holiday who i feel like i've used before she's great channel hey good job good job job, holiday um and a danish website uh so yeah, those are my sources. Okay. What do they speak in Denmark? Danish? I mean, I, <laughs> what is that like? <laughs> what does that sound like? I don't know that I've ever heard. Don't. Okay. Go ahead. Don't ask me. So. <laughs> All right. So we're going to obviously start with Margaret the first, because I think that nicely leads into the story of Margaret the second. Really? <laughs> Margaret the first <laughs> was born in March 1353 as the sixth and youngest child of King Valdemar IV and uh, his wife, Helvig of Schleswig. Mm. Also, I'm sorry if my pronunciations are absolutely insane. That's okay. We have that one girl from Iceland who comments sometimes on our Norwegian Scandinavian language. And thank you. I hope you you love this. We appreciate (laughs) you. Please laugh at us wildly. So at the time of Margaret's birth, her mother Helvig was actually being held captive by her husband at Soberg Castle. We don't know exactly why she's being held captive, but of course there are some theories and they involve infidelity. Some say that Helvig herself was having an affair with a dashing young knight, but others say that the king sent her away that, so that he could marry his own mistress. So... I'm banking on the second one, <laughs> if I know anything about European history. It's a little bit of Guinevere, a little bit of King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of King Henry VIII, you know? A <laughs> little bit of off with her head. Oh. Here. Um, so when Margaret was just six years old, her engagement was announced. 
<laughs> she was to marry the 18-year-old King Holcomb the Sixth of Norway. How old is she? Six. Shit. She's six years old, and she is engaged to an 18-year-old. That's like that scene in Sleeping Beauty and also Swan Princess. Yes. The guy is older. They're like a toddler baby. Yeah. Because he's like, also like, he's like nine, 12. at least nine or 10. Like petting her head in a cradle. He doesn't even pet her. He goes, he like lifts up his lip. He's like, I don't like that. (laughs) A lip lift. Philip. A full lip lift. I will say the lip lift does it for me. That means he's a good person because he also thinks that this is bananas. (laughs) So King Holcomb, (laughs) the sixth of Norway, uh, 18 years old, also like, I don't know about this, but before they could even get married, a lot of crazy stuff is happening in this Scandinavian realm. It's cold as fuck, first of all. So cold. (laughs) So we're going to get into a little bit of this history. I hope this makes sense. I had to watch the YouTube video like four or five times to understand That's dedication, babe. I really watched it Mm. over and over again. So there's this king, Mm. King Magnus the fourth and the seventh. (laughs) He is both. (laughs) He He had inherited Sweden and Norway. Again, remember, Margaret's in Denmark. So we got Sweden, Norway, and Denmark as the main players. Okay. Magnus inherited Sweden and Norway, and he had ruled those countries and their colonies of Iceland and Greenland. So he's got a lot of territory, and he had two sons, Eric and Holcomb, the guy who's married or engaged to Margaret. Got it. So Magnus had promised his older son, Eric, Sweden upon his death. But in the meantime... He was like, well, but I have this other territory, Norway. So since Eric is getting Sweden, I'll just give Holcomb Norway right now when he was three years old. (laughs) This obviously made Eric kind of pissed. You know, he was like, I think I deserve better. He's like, I know I'm getting better later, but why does this three-year-old get to be a king right now when I'm still waiting? And I'm engaged to a toddler. Remember, Holcomb is engaged to the top. Oh, the this is before this. Oh, all the, before this. All before this. So oh, this wowza. is a long time before. This is when this arrangement is kind of announced. Okay, got it. So many years pass by, obviously, because Holcomb is not three years old anymore. Um, and Eric has been kind of stewing about this <gasps> because he's kind of pissed. He goes, I, you know, Holcomb's been a king since he was three years old and I'm still a prince. Like, this is super fucking frustrating. They need a family meeting, honestly. They do. And his father is like not dying as soon as he <laughs> thought. So Eric decides to lead a rebellion against his father and he takes over southern Sweden. So because of all of this strife within his own fucking family, King Valdemar. Valdemar. King Valdemar of Denmark. So this is Margaret's father. He's like, okay, Magnus, I'll help you with all this business with your sons. Why don't we make a marriage agreement with Holcomb and Margaret and then I'll help you fight against Eric. So it's basically marrying one son off to his daughter so we can fight against this guy's other son. Perfect. Where's the so, soap? What time's the soap this come on? This was a military strategy for right. marriage. So Valdemar, Margaret's father, and the army of Denmark take southern Sweden back from Eric 
But Eric died shortly after this from the Black Plague. Oh, of course. So now Valdemar of Denmark is in southern Sweden and he's like, why should I give this back to Magnus when I could just keep this for Denmark? (laughs) So he just decides to keep it from himself. (laughs) It sounds right. I mean, it was a real COVID situation. You can do what you need. You just got to do what you need. Take what you can get. Take care of yourself. Um, Self-care. kept invading Magnus's lands. And Magnus is like really pissed about this. He goes, okay, well, I'm canceling the engagement between our children, obviously. (laughs) And I'm going to marry Holcomb off to somebody else. He goes, I'm going to marry my son off to Henry Holstein's or Henry of Holstein's sister, Elizabeth. Didn't even bother bother to look up who Henry of Holstein is. But Holcomb is now going to marry Elizabeth instead of Margaret. Uh Uh-oh. So Elizabeth is on her way to marry Holcomb when a storm comes in and pushes her ship towards Denmark into enemy territory. You mean Anna and Elsa's parents? Yes. (laughs) You mean this is terrible? (laughs) So now King Valdemar has a very important captive and even more leverage against Magnus. Valdemar uses this opportunity to cancel the engagement between Elizabeth and Holcomb on the grounds that he was already engaged to Margaret. (laughs) So soon after this, you know, like a vicar came in or whatever and was like, okay, this is all legal. So then the 10 year old Margaret, cause she's 10 now, a couple of years has passed since all of this bullshit. And the 22 year old Holcomb are married in Copenhagen cathedral in April of 1363 and treaties were reached to end the conflicts. Perfect. So their original engagement was made to solve a conflict And then because of that, all this conflict arose. And then they actually ended up getting married to solve the conflict again. So this is the beginning of her life. That's why we had to go through all of that, which I know is confusing. It's confusing, but I think it's also important to show how young princesses, Mm -hmm. specifically their lives from the day they could comprehend, you were being trained to live in a certain court. Mm -hmm. And if that person died or the allegiance failed, then all of your training for all of those years, we saw this with all the Antoinette sisters, like who died and got moved around. And then it's like, Oh, I've been studying Dutch and now I need to learn French. Mm -hmm. Like I thought I was marrying this prince and now I got moved up in the line. Like that is hard for these young girls. They are Toddler, teenage, preteen girls that are pawns in this huge political game. Right. Like, it fucking sucks. She was probably like getting her head around maybe marrying this guy. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, no, you're sick. Right. (laughs) Then no, it's like, you're not going to marry this guy. And then, oh, you are again. Yeah. That's crazy. Because you're taught to love him, then hate him, then love him. Yeah. How do you do that? I can't do that. I can't. I I mean, I do it every day with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) So. Thankfully, there was no expectation that Margaret was supposed to be a full wife quite yet. So the two lived separately at first and didn't consummate the marriage for a long time. So, But when she was old enough, she was finally shipped off to Norway to start her new life. Here, she was educated by Moret Osvader, who was a distinguished noblewoman, and the daughter 
of a woman named Bridget of Sweden. So Bridget of Sweden seems very interesting. She was a political activist who frequently criticized how the kings of Scandinavia were behaving. Because <laughs> obviously, from what I just said, they were not being very smart. <laughs> so Margaret ended up being com- becoming very close with um, Maritz. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry. Uh, daughter, uh, her daughters, Catherine and Ingrid. Um, which I think I only mentioned because I think it's really lovely to think of her having this awesome tutor who had these cool daughters and like she really had not only a maternal figure, but these sister figures and they remained close for all of Margaret's life, which I think will be important to her political happenings later on because she does become a very like fair and just leader. And I think that it has this basis in this tutor and her daughters and their influence on her. Perfect. I think it's a, you know, like a lot of times you hear about these young princesses getting shipped off and like nobody gives a fuck about them. No. They're treated as a possession for the crown. And it's nice to see that she actually had real relationships and like a supportive environment. So anyways, so when she's 17, she gives birth to her only son, Olaf. And, um, That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) She had a baby. But she's coming into her own at this time. She's a mother. She's kind of really entering court now. She's described as being beautiful and charming and witty and smart. So fucking smart. And she showed a real talent for politics, which was good for her because the political issues did not end when she got married. So back to this wild issue back home in Denmark, Margaret's only brother died at the age of 22, leaving Valdemar without a male heir. So her father is still alive and his only son has passed away. But, but Maggie's there, but Margaret's there and she has, uh, you know, and this is pressing because, uh, the occupation that they had in Sweden was a a bit precarious, you know, So they were still occupying Sweden, Denmark. Um, and then the heir dies, who was kind of taking care of this situation. So I don't know what happened to the other three siblings, because I know she said she was part of six, the youngest of six. Um, Maybe they, all the other... Oh, wait, because they couldn't be... If she was still a girl. Okay, weird. Yeah, yeah. The, only, the only brother died. And the only two people that are left are Margaret and her older sister, Ingeborg. So there are two sisters left, but the people of Denmark were not ready for a queen. So the authority said, okay, we're going to bring in an outside player to take care of this territory of southern Sweden. So rather than dealing with the two sisters, they (laughs) bring in Albert II of Germany to rule Sweden, or southern Sweden. So Holcomb, Margaret's husband, and his father Magnus are like, okay, here's our chance. We're going to overthrow Albert and take Sweden back for, you know, no, Norway. Right. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. This is very confusing. Um, So they go in, they lose. (laughs) And Magnus was then taken captive by the Germans for six years. Holcomb tried again to take back Sweden, but only succeeded in getting his father (laughs) released. So like POW sitch. Yeah. So taken gets him back, but doesn't gain territory. mm -hmm. And at this time power was derived in territory. Yes, it was. Yeah. Like today it's money. It's like fisc 
fiscally, which is why places like Luxembourg are like so fucking baller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's all to say too that like there's just so much going on in Margaret's life that she's kind of just watching. Mm. You know, I just want to point all this out because she's watching all of these men kind of fuck up and lose battles and like <laughs> not do their job. She wants um, to rule. Yeah, I okay. think so. So in 1375, her father, King Valdemar, finally dies. And again, because he didn't have his male heir, this left a mad dash for the throne of Denmark. Margaret literally raced home with her five-year-old son, Olaf, and demanded that he be named King of Denmark. But her sister was like, I don't think so. I'm older, and my brother-in-law is the current German king of Sweden, so my son Albert clearly has a stronger claim to the Danish throne. So now it's two sisters fighting for their sons to be the next king of Denmark. Surprise! Surprise. <laughs> but somehow... Somebody get the confetti! Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how this worked, but somehow Margaret won, oh. and her son was named King Olaf II of Denmark. But because he's too young to rule, Margaret had no choice but to take on the role of the queen regent of Denmark until her son was old enough. I love a regent. I love a consort. So this is when, like, her real story starts because she ends up, of course, becoming an incredible leader. She is kind and fair and people love her. She's So she's ruling Denmark. Her husband is still ruling Norway. But then five years later, he dies. This means that her son, Olaf II, is now the king of both Denmark and Norway. But what it really means is that Margaret is now the queen of both Denmark and Norway. (laughs) People were excited to see this young king come of age and take his birthright. But unfortunately, tragedy struck, as it often did in the Middle Ages, And Olaf, right before he's about to be old enough to take his rightful place, dies at 16. Shit. Some people like to say that Margaret poisoned him, but most historians say there's no evidence of that. Like, you know, it's just what we love to, again, say about female rulers, that they're ruthless enough to kill their sons. But there's just no proof of that. Ready to take his driver's test. Then then in a real Anastasia move, a young man (laughs) from Germany popped up saying that he was the real Olaf and he'd been hiding from his evil mother for all of these years. Oh no. Some people believed him and he got some support for his cause. But wait, so Anastasia pulled an Olaf move. This is the reverse reverse story. Anya pulled uh, Anastasia Olaf move. But Anya didn't actually pull shit. It was Dimitri. Anya actually is Anastasia. Uh, You idiot. (laughs) Watch the movie. Look for the clues. Um, She's on a boat. It's a fever dream. (laughs) Everything's fine. So people are believing him. They're like, great. We'll get this. Some people are like, we'll get this woman out of the throne. Like, you know, whatever. But then they realized he couldn't speak a word of Danish. He couldn't speak the language. And they eventually confessed that he was a Prussian peasant trying to make his way into the aristocracy. So that's a real Cleopatra situation. That's why she got to take over. 
because she could speak the language of really? the Egyptians and none of the pharaohs could. I totally forgot like, about I'm that. I'm going to learn this shit. <laughs> yeah, he should have learned Danish before he pretended to be a Danish king. Yeah, like all of the women who get married Come off to other countries on. and have to learn the mm-hmm. language. Why do men do your think they can show work. up? Why do they do think they can just show up? Research. I'm really upset about Ridiculous. this. I'm like on a real feminist kick tonight and I'm upset about this. So the Danes, <laughs> tonight, though. Tonight only. <laughs> the Danes, though, did not take kindly to the tomfoolery <laughs> so they burned fake Olaf at the stake <gasps> with a crown upon his head stop so now that's like the guy from Game of Thrones with the metal mm-hmm. poured on him Darnarius mm-hmm. brother so now there's really no male ruler and they admit that maybe Margaret should just stay in charge <laughs> but they can't call her queen because there are no queens of Denmark oh, that's not a thing mm-hmm. so um so they name her the all powerful lady and mistress regent that's even better i love both of those titles <laughs> so much that's excuse me can you call me that from now on <laughs> but i think from what i understand that she was officially the queen of norway so okay. she was technically queen of somewhere, but just not Denmark. So with her newfound power, she began taking back some territories like this area of Schleswig, which was kind of like southern Denmark. And it had been taken over by the Germans. But then she was like, nope, I'm taking this back for us. <laughs> and then like everyone else, she started to set her eyes on Sweden. <laughs> The nobles in Sweden had grown unhappy with their decision to put King Albert, you know, in charge of Germany. So they started entertaining the idea of Margaret taking over. So with a little inside support, she did what all the other men in her life couldn't do. She gathered her army, invaded southern Sweden, and took it back. King Albert saw her as a huge fucking joke and started calling her King Pantsless in the media. I don't know what media looked like at this time. <laughs> but but that was the word on the street that he Somebody's was calling her King Somebody's ringing a bell Pantsless. in the town square. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. King Albert II calls Queen Margaret Pantsless. King pa- Pantsless. King Pantsless. <laughs> in English, of course, they were in speaking. In English. Of course. Uh, but jokes on him, she whooped his ass. So now... Sometimes it takes some heels. She is the ruler of Denmark, all of Sweden, and Norway. And she becomes the first leader to unite all of these countries. Scandinavia. She created the Scandinavia we know and love today. Minus Finland. We mm-hmm. haven't talked about them. We haven't, but, you know, it's fine. Sorry. They're kind of, like, more inland, so, like, the Baltic Sea gets in the way. I do feel bad because I have two Finnish friends, Asku and Johanna, and I'm very sorry to leave out your country. Um, it's close, and it's cold, and you love coffee. But I also think that Finland... Maybe we actually do talk about well, Finland. Well, no, the Scandinavia... Oh, I do! Here okay. we go! Here we go, but the I'm Scandinavian sorry, Peninsula, like, Finland's inland, like, next to Russia, and, like, the Norway and Sweden are out yes. here. So, and Denmark's okay. up in the middle, like, that's... Here we go. Um, <laughs> it's literally my second note, which, by the way, <laughs> includes Iceland, Greenland, and most of modern Finland. So, Perfect. yes, Finland was just a part of that territory. Right, it, like, curves around. So, yes, she did 
rule Finland as well. Which Sorry. This is so interesting because this is where the Vikings were. Yes. And they were very female centric. Like mm-hmm. not necessarily like to to a fault, but like we have now evidence of women female leaders. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's pretty exciting that like there were people still there that were like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're okay cool. with this. Yeah. So these areas had been prone to frequent attacks, both from each other and from especially Germany. Um, but now that they were under one ruler, they could unite. And she called this the Kalmar Union. She bounded them together by the Kalmar Treaty, which stated that the three realms should be bound together and help each other, whatever comes their way. But here's the trick. She bound them together to make them stronger, but she didn't make them all one country. She respected each area's cultural identity and their laws while giving them the stability of a unified front. I mean, I mean, it's the reason we have like United States, United Uh Kingdoms. It's federalism versus anti-federalism. It's who gets more rights, who doesn't get more rights. It's freedom of religion, freedom of culture. Like that's amazing. She's like, I don't care what you're doing in your territory, but we should all help each other because guys, we are on the same team. (laughs) You're like celebrate your own holidays. And when the Germanic invaders come in, like, Mm -hmm. let's just fight the fuck back. Exactly. Cool. She is the best. That's so cool. So while she ruled these areas, the people were very content. They loved how she ruled their area. But they were also a bit concerned because she was now a middle-aged woman and she didn't have a husband or any heirs. And she also stated very clearly that she didn't want to marry again or have any more children. So I love that the people are actually concerned with like, how do we keep this going? Mm-hmm. Because like people are realistic, like people die very at young ages right now. So like, what are we going to do to preserve this? Because it's working for like, us. Who's your first mate? <laughs> so she made amends with her sister. <laughs> okay. And she named her grandson, the heir to the throne. So this is Bogoslav who changed his name to Eric of Pomerania and he was crowned the king of the three realms in 1397. But Margaret remained the actual ruler for the rest of her life. And she was a really good ruler. As I said, she united all of the countries in what is now known as Scandinavia. She quashed any power-hungry nobles that tried to rise up and argue against the union. She changed the economy from copper-based coins to silver-based coins to raise the value of Scandinavian money. She also encouraged marriage among the people of the three realms to create a more unified feeling of among the people. And she supported a lot of charities throughout her lifetime, and she set a precedence of selecting nobles based on merit instead of just birthright. What? She also enacted harsh punishments for rape, and she set up funds to aid women who had experienced sexual violence during all of these wars that she saw throughout her life. And that's like Ching Shi, the pirate. Yes. Like, you, if you have a woman in charge, they're going to take care of the girls. Exactly. And also the boys, because men don't need to do that. No. It actually makes them better people when they don't. Yeah. So in 1402, she entered negotiations with King Henry IV of England uh, concerning the possibility of creating alliances through marriage. So she had suggested two weddings, 
so between the two empires in order to create an even greater bond in Northern Europe. But King Henry was only interested in Scandinavia because he wanted them to help in his war against France. Yeah. Margaret, not interested. She said, my people have suffered through enough war. I am not helping you fight France. It has always surprised me that the UK and the Celtic people in Ireland mm-hmm. are not more connected I with know. the northern part of Europe because they're so geographically similar. And I think that's because of everything that happened with this time period. It's interesting because Denmark is farther south mm-hmm. yeah, than the UK. It's like right next to Germany. Yeah. But I think that especially Margaret was like, no, you guys kept trying to invade us. Like, absolutely not. And then when she tried to reach out to the UK, they only wanted her for her now vast army of three realms. And she was like, I am not interested in putting my people through more war. Right. I'm not interested in the women of my country being raped more than they already have. Like, well, I'm sick of it. And the women's rights and peacefulness mm-hmm. in that part of the world still is prevalent, mm-hmm. which is because of Margaret. Absurd to me. That's <laughs> absurd. I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm giving literally all the credit to her. I'm sure there are other people involved too, but I'm going to say it was all because of her. Well, listen, we make um, up facts on this podcast <laughs> and that's one of them. Yep. Now you know, we're connecting the dots. So she was like, I'm not doing that, but I still want to have some sort of compromise so we can be friendly. So only one wedding went ahead, <laughs> not the two. Many historians say that Margaret the first was the hardest working monarch of her era. And she remained that way until her death on October 28th, which is happening very soon. Oh my goodness. 1412 at the age of 59. That is old for women of the middle ages. It is old, <laughs> but also like not that long. We think long ago, but not that long ago. Cause 14, what'd you say? 50, 1412. Right. So 1492, we're coming to the new world. So we're close. Mm -hmm. We are close close. to like connecting the hemispheres Mm -hmm. in a a terrible way. (laughs) (laughs) But she worked hard until her death. In fact, she died on her ship, the Trinity, while in between realms on official business. Her (laughs) Her sarcophagus made by the Lübeck sculptor Johannes Jung in 1423 is situated behind the high altar in Roskilde Cathedral near Copenhagen. And a bell is still rung twice a day in her honor. No way. Yeah. Still twice a day. Fucking amazing. I know. Where's my bell, Katie, honestly? (laughs) Can you ring my bell? (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to get in. To Margaret II of Denmark, who I think is doing a very good job of, you know, continuing this trend of strong Margaret. She's the current queen. She's the current queen. And I forgot to put this in my notes, but her sarcophagus is already built. Katie, as she lives and breathes. is gorgeous. (gasps) Allie, picture this. Picture. A clear blue sarcophagus. Wait, transparent? Transparent. Shit. But with, like, her etching already inside and it has like golden ships above the top i'll find it i'll find it google queen margaret ii sarcophagus it is so 
beautiful and i forgot to like put it in here but they've already built it which seems kind of premature well it um, does but also think about people in egypt building pyramids yeah, for their fucking death so that's like true. okay you have a transparent blue sarcophagus good on ya. Do what <laughs> you that got. don't impress me much <laughs> shania where did you come from <laughs> i didn't expect you to be here today how are welcome. you welcome we love you hi um <laughs> tell us what you know about margaret the second so Okay, where am I? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Margaret Alexandrine Porhilder, fun fact, Porhilder is her Icelandic name, Ingrid, was born oh on... Oh my God, this is like a Lady Gaga Isn't concert. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> that. All right. Look at it. <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it. I... You know I'm happy for Margaret II that she gets to enjoy her coffin before <laughs> she gets in it because not all of us have that pleasure. No, your grandmother's <laughs> coffin was fucking fly. Yes, it was. It was very nice. Never in my life have I seen a coffin that cool. <laughs> Up close. This one is wild. Very cool sarcophagus. It's like a claw foot bathtub yes. with an extra foot in the middle. So there's like six total feet. Mm -hmm. It is a blue... Like capsule. It's Cap a capsule it's it's an advil it's a liquid yes, gel advil, an advil. <laughs> and then it has golden like ships and shit on the top but then inside the advil there is like where her body will be so you won't see her body but you see the outline of like the a ghost of her pretend body. body yeah like the spirit of margaret the two so i hope she stays the same size because the sarcophagus is already built i mean she is like a tiny <laughs> tiny lady really at tiny. six thousand feet tall okay. okay i'm so sorry now no, that i'm mind. over that okay Tell me. so she is born on april 16th 1940 at the royal palace in copenhagen okay she was the first child of crown prince and crown princess, later King Frederick the Ninth and Queen Queen Ingrid, her father was the elder son of the then reigning King Christian the Tenth, while her mother was the only daughter of the Crown Prince of Sweden. So again, keeping it in the Scandinavian family. Her birth. I think they're all tired of the rest of Europe. Yeah, I think they're like we're good with our <laughs> IKEA. We're super we're happy fine. up here. We love this. We what love Girl here. with the Dragon Tattoo. It's a great <laughs> novel. Her birth took place just one week after the Nazi Germany invasion of Denmark. Okay, so she's like a Crazy. little baby during World little War II. Little baby during World War II. Got it. Um, she has two sisters, Prince Benedict and Princess. Princess Benedict and Princess Anne-Marie. Sorry. I've had three cocktails. Bear with me. When she was seven years old, her grandfather died, making her father the king of Denmark. But... Guys, it's just funny because I was about to say it, but there's a problem now. Siri... <laughs> Siri just told us that our podcast has gone wrong. Something went wrong. There can't be a queen of Denmark. <laughs> the laws don't. Holy God. The laws prohibit it. I'm really upset about that. Wow. Okay. Siri in here with the timing. <laughs> so something went wrong, though. <laughs> there was no heir apparent because at this time um still after all that margaret the first did remember we just went through all of that only men could ascend the throne of denmark when margaret the second was born in the midst of world war ii 
ridiculous. So in 1947, the process of changing that law began because the people of Denmark really liked this ruling family and they didn't want to see the monarchy fall out of their hands or go away, go away altogether. They liked it. So there was also the factor of women in Denmark being more vocal in society. And there was kind of this movement of like, we should change this anyways. Like we should have Queens like Queen Elizabeth II is like already in power, basically like <laughs> post Queen Victoria, yeah. post all the Queens post of England, all the Queens of England. She was like, they're like all the women of Denmark are like, why can't we have a queen? So after a long and complicated parliamentary process, the new act of succession was passed on March 27th, 1953. And this was started in 47, Whoa. which finally permitted female succession to the throne of Denmark. Only if she doesn't have a brother. So any brother, no matter when he's born, can take over instead of the oldest born. Well, stop procreating Which then. is lame. But, but yeah, so I think it's cool that Margaret II, her very existence changed this rule. That is cool. Which is cool. Because they want her. So now Princess Margaret becomes the heir presumptive. When she was 18, she was given a seat in the Council of State, and she subsequently um, chaired the meetings of the council whenever her father, the king, couldn't be here. She was given the best education at private schools in Copenhagen, as well as boarding schools in London. She studied archaeology, economics, political science at various prestigious universities across Europe. She is an accomplished archaeologist. Her and, like, I think it was, like, her like father or somebody would, like, go on digs together to archaeological sites. That like might she be all I want. is, like, the Queen Indiana Jones. She's very cool. She is fluent in Danish, French, English, Swedish, and German. And while she was studying in London, she met a French diplomat. His name was Henri Marie Jean André de La Bourne de Montpellier. <laughs> I love this man. I really wanted to call it Marzipan, but it's Montpazat, who was legation secretary at the embassy of France. Oh, so he's not royal blood. No, no, no. He's just an emissary boy. He, is he hot? He is a very hot. I mean, now he's in his 80s, but is he hot, 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 hot? <sighs> Okay. Let me show you. Okay, I need to see this man. This picture. Because she's, she is beautiful. She's very beautiful. And tall. And looks like she's from royal birth. Let's be clear. She does look like she's bred for the role, to be fair. Okay. Let me see this boy. They are a cute fucking show me, show me, show me, show me. And there's show me, show this amazing photo. <gasps> Get off my house. It's like them together. Are they lighting about cigarettes? In the 60s. He's lighting her cigarette like a gentleman. <laughs> oh my God. They're, Aren't they hot? He's taller than her. Hot, how do you hot? I know, and she's six foot. I know, that's what I'm saying. He's a tall boy. He is a tall boy. Henri. So, <laughs> look at his pocket square in the next photo. He received the style and title of His Royal Highness Prince Henrik of Denmark because of his new position as the spouse of the heir presumptive to the Danish throne. You know what? I would describe her as lovely. She I is think. lovely. I think lovely and is the word. 
I think out of any royal couple, they have the hottest photos together. They have really cute photos. You can tell. Okay, you know who they remind me of? Hmm. Elizabeth's sister. Margaret. Margaret. Other Margaret. And her photographer boyfriend. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, her photographer boyfriend. And like the first. He was like, hot. In the first yes, season. he was hot in the but, first season of The Crown. <laughs> but the in, next one that she wasn't allowed to be with. Yeah. Yeah. So they just have like very cute photos. Like they just seem to love each other yeah. so much. Um, so anyways, they had their first son, Frederick, in 1968 and their second son, Joachim, in 1969. But soon it was time for her to step up and take her place on the throne. On January 14th, 1972, her father passed away and Margaret became the first official Queen of Denmark. In her first address to the people, she said, My beloved father, our king, is dead. The task that my father had carried for nearly 25 years is now resting on my shoulders. I pray to God to give me help and strength to carry the heavy heritage. May the trust that was given to my father also be granted to me. And since then, she has been, in my understanding, you know, we've had this with Ava Barone, but I think she's a pretty popular queen. Yeah. <laughs> she does her queenly duties, which are mainly interacting with foreign leaders and dignitaries, opening exhibitions, attending anniversaries, and inaugurating bridges, among <laughs> other things. She holds weekly meetings with the prime minister and presides over the government while staying neutral in political matters. But Margaret II has made a name for herself outside of the crown. She is a very accomplished artist and clothing designer. No way. She designed the costumes for the Royal Danish Ballet's production of a folktale and for the 2009 Peter Flint film De Wildsvaner or The Wild Swans. I mean, are we allowed? Are they allowed to turn the queen down though? If she puts in like a Probably bid not. to do it, uh, she also, fun fact, designs her own clothes oh. and has been named an unsung style icon by British Vogue and one of the fifty best dressed women over fifty by the Guardian. I mean, she, and looks she makes beautiful. her own clothes. She yeah, looks she beautiful does. all the time. She is also a very prolific painter and has held many art shows over the years. But her biggest accomplishment in the art world is actually her work with J.R.R. Tolkien. No way. Margaret was a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings books, and she ended up becoming pen pals with Tolkien. I have chills. <laughs> I, have, I know you do. This I, is a catnip for you, Bane. I'm <laughs> dying right now. No way. So Tolkien was apparently famously against illustrations in his books because he wanted people to use their own imagination when reading them. Yeah, when they read this person begot this person, mm -hmm. when he wrote the Bible he wrote for the fantasy Bible people. Crazy. So when Margaret was reading these books, though, these illustrations were coming to her and she drew these incredible things and was like, you know what? I'll just send them to him. See what he thinks. And he goes, this is what I, these are like my drawings. He goes, we drew like the same fucking thing. And they blew him away, her drawings, because he was like, you're imagining the world the same way I am. 
because she didn't draw the characters. She's not drawing Frodo and Gandalf. She's drawing the scenery with these heavy black lines and white spaces and maybe a dragon or a Nazgul. If you're wondering what a Nazgul is, it's the cloaked hooded figures that Listen, ride on the horses. We can talk about it later. They're Sorry, really chasing our way. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and when Tolkien died, people found her drawings and loved them. So they were used in the 1977 British edition of the, of the book, but redrawn by this guy, Eric Fraser. Stop it. And then they were used for the, all of the Danish editions of the Lord of the Rings books. Mm -hmm. But no one knew at first that it was the Queen of Denmark because she had used the pseudonym Ingehild Grathmer. Her drawings have also been featured in the 2001 and 2021 editions of the book. And these drawings are out of control. They're so good. They're just, I don't, you have to look them up. So she's like a little pretend illustrator. Yeah. And I love that she wasn't like, yes, the Queen of Denmark has illustrated the uh, Lord of the Rings books. Well, she's probably embarrassed. I bet if you're like that, you you think people accept your drawings just because. Right. But no, like she actually had a friendship with Tolkien and people found her illustrations after he died. So look up her drawings for the Lord of the Rings because they are incredible. Okay. Marjorie, we're going to talk about this later when we are done with this episode. (laughs) Other than that, she was known for her smoking habit. She's been a lifelong chain smoker. And the only change she has made to that was that in 2006, the royal court announced that she would only smoke in private. Guys, please don't smoke. <laughs> please You're going to die. I'm trying to get I know she is now. so old, but like, I really don't want any of you to have really serious health problems. No, no. Um, she did get a little heat concerning her stance on immigration because um, her stance on immigration has become more strict over the years. Yeah. Like she's like, well, if people are going to come to Denmark they should learn our culture before they come in it's kind of like that if you're going to come here you should speak English like that kind of thing but there wasn't much written on it so I don't know what the situation with that is actually there's like a little blurb on Wikipedia Mm. um so that's that well there's been a lot of countries in the last 10 years specifically Syria seeking like refugee status and Greece has held the brunt of it um but then Greece is trying to get other people involved and everybody's like eh you're the closest yeah and it's like, well, that's a shitty way to look at it. Yeah. So yeah, I can see why the rest of Europe is like, no, we're part of the European Union. We don't yeah. need to. Do, we don't need to help. Yeah. We just need to have money. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that. That's my American opinion um, of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong because I am. On February thirteenth, two thousand eighteen, her husband Henri passed away. The day before Valentine's Day. They had been married for over fifty years. Guys, they were really in love. Wow. My grandfather died on February 10th. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, was it your grandfather who was married to your... Yeah, because your other grandfather was born on Valentine's Day. Yeah, after they had been married for over 50 years. To die really close to Valentine's Day when it's her birthday, Sucks. that's tragic. Mm. So her son, Prince Frederick, made headlines when he married a commoner, a woman named Mary Donaldson. And this is a true fairy tale story. They met at an Australian pub called the slip in 
during the, the summer was olympics it called, was it called just the tip <laughs> just the slip during the summer olympics in 2000 can you even imagine no i was like a child they married in 2004 and have four children okay fine prince joachim has married two commoners the first was hong kong sales executive alexandra manley and Good the name. second was a french woman named marie Cavier. He has two children from each marriage. In all, the approval rating for the Danish royal family is between 82 and 92 percent. That's so high. high. (laughs) Damn. And the last news on them was that Queen Margaret II contracted COVID while attending the funeral of her contemporary Queen Elizabeth II. Probably like a bestie bestie. Just kidding. Today, the queen made headlines again. (laughs) Shit. Allie, I was literally looking at pictures of her to do my physical description and headlines popped up literally from today. What did she do today, Katie? (gasps) Denmark's Queen Margaret, Europe's only reigning queen. (gasps) She's officially Europe's only reigning queen. Do we love that? I might be dying about it. Europe's only reigning queen and the continent's longest reigning, longest serving monarch Mm. has stripped four of her eight grandchildren of their titles. (gasps) The palace announces. What did they do? The official reason was to allow the four children of her youngest son, Prince Joachim, to live more normal lives. And this follows similar moves by other royal families in Europe to slim down their monarchies, the palace says. As of January 1st, 2023, the descendants of His Royal Highness Prince Joachim will only be able to use their titles Count and Countess of Mount of Montpezat. Their previous titles of Prince and Princess of Denmark ceasing to exist. A statement from the Royal Palace said on Wednesday. All I want to do is be a Countess. We've talked about that. We've talked about that. Somebody, can you up me? If you down them, can you up me? Please. I mean, I know it's a couple ups. (laughs) It's a few. Oh, what are you trying to say? (laughs) With her decision, Her Majesty the Queen wants to create a framework for the four grandchildren to a much greater degree to be able to shape their own existence without being limited by the special considerations and obligations that a formal affiliation with the royal house as an institution implies. So I get this. She's like, I don't want them to feel burdened by the crown when there's no possible way that they're going to be the kings or queens of Denmark. She goes, it doesn't work that way anymore. It's not medieval Europe where kings and queens die all the time. She's like, my first son and his four children, <laughs> they will be the ones ascending the throne. So like, get my younger kids. Yeah. Like, so it's it, a real Meghan Markle situation. I get that in her mind. She's like, why drag them into this? Like, it's not worth it to the stress that it puts on them. But apparently... You know, the two older boys, you know, their mother, um, the first wife, said that they felt blindsided by this decision. And now, like, it makes the last four grandchildren feel excluded from the family. I do also wonder, like, if she had, I I don't know about if she had a relationship with Queen Elizabeth, but I know she, she saw did. it. Okay. Yeah. So she definitely saw it in the news either way, but, like... I wonder if Elizabeth confided in her how she felt about 
Meghan Markle and like how she did feel this guilt about what she did to her sister and about what happened to Wallace Simpson and like yeah. Queen Elizabeth II lived through so much like change that it's like she's saying like maybe everybody else can just be a normal family especially because well no that's weird because especially because she wasn't supposed to be direct family and was tied into it so maybe she's trying to prevent that in the future like i don't want anybody to end up like me where my dad wasn't supposed to be king and now i'm fucking queen for 80 years that's terrible yeah so i mean I th- I do really believe that like Queen Margaret's decision is coming from like a kind place of like I want you to feel less pressure, you know, to like these four kids that really there's no chance of them being the king or queen of Denmark. There's no chance. Somebody tell me unless I'm, something crazy happens. You are no longer my sister-in-law. You have no pressure to show up to <laughs> yeah. my shit. That's insulting, right? But it but that's the thing. It is still insulting, especially because according to her, like it seems kind of out of the blue. Yeah, like okay. like you didn't consult with the kids and be like, "How would you feel about not being a prince or like, a princess who anymore?" Would like <laughs> who who would like to not so, do that? But yeah, but this news literally broke today. So everybody stay tuned. Maybe we'll do a Patreon about updates on the Danish royal family. And that's the story of the two Margarets. <laughs> the two Margaret, b- besides my mom, besides your mom and your sister. My sister's name's not Margaret. <laughs> what? It's Marjorie. I thought she was a Margaret that went by Marjorie. Oh, no, there's a Margaret that goes by Peggy, and a Marjorie that goes by Marjorie. <laughs> I always thought your sister's Margaret went by Marjorie. I wish. Interesting. I wish that. I wish that your mother just totally circumvented you and named her second daughter after she herself. She named me Alexandra <laughs> literally despite my other aunt. <laughs> it's fine. Everybody, it's fine. She'll never listen, so she doesn't know I'm calling her shit out. Okay. All right. Let's so talk let's... about these two women together. In a little second, we like to call just, just the two of us. Um, so our, let's talk about the horoscopes yes! for these ladies. For season 13, we're doing horoscopes for each lady or ladies. So, Ellie, how did, what are you doing? So, <laughs> what I did is I found the date that Lewis Carroll gave Alice the book. <gasps> Because that is the day that she was born. That is the day the Queen of Hearts became an actual character. So that was November 26th, 1864. And it says, you rely on faith rather than logic to deal with life and all that it offers. Much is expected of you. You possess an inordinate amount of energy and intuition, (laughs) and you can inspire people even without effort. Take full advantage of your powers. You must develop yourself sufficiently and surrender yourself to higher ideals. You will find success in fields that are teacher, diplomat, and speaker. (laughs) I can't believe how well that matches up. Shut the up. The fact that it says faith over logic, because yeah. like that's the whole thing about Wonderland is that like you there's believe. no logic to it. None of like, it is logical. So that is that. the day he gave, Lewis Carroll gave the book to little Alice. Perfect. That is what it says. Okay. 
So because I'm also, mine also is a little funny. Which also save it for Christmas. Yeah. Why did you give it to her? <laughs> Here's your Thanksgiving present, bitch. <laughs> In <laughs> England, where we where don't you, celebrate Where you celebrate this. America and the Native America. I'm a whore. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So since they were both born in March and April, both of them would be Aries. Yes. Which I'm imagining Margaret the First was born in late March, to be clear. But I believe she was. Okay. Because um, I so, have Pisces and an Aries living in my house that are March and April. Being born under the Ram constellation, mm. you tend to be decidedly enterprising, incisive, spontaneous, and daring, <laughs> and active. Aries are incurred... Sorry. Aries are courageous and independent, enjoy leading others, and bring... and being excitement i think that's supposed to be bringing bringing excitement into the lives of loved ones that's really good i mean come on that's you enjoy leading others and bringing excitement into your loved ones they both yes. did that they like reformed the royal families yes to, they did. to literally this day yeah yeah <laughs> this, this day, day right now all um, right <laughs> okay I need to start this just the two of us by talking about adjectives. Mm-hmm. I could not get over. So there were a couple times you said um, Margaret the first is described as beautiful, charming, smart, political. Mm-hmm. And then you talked later and you said the queen was kind, fair, and well-liked. Yes. And I could not help but compare that to the adjectives that were for the queen of hearts. She was fury. She was anger. She was ungoverned passion. She was mean. She was evil. She was feared. Like this fictional woman is just the antithesis of an actual queen. I literally wrote blind fury versus calm leadership. (laughs) Like, Blind fury and all of those negative adjectives are what we expect female leaders to be. And that's Lewis Carroll's quote. Lewis Carroll's quote. Yeah. Blind fury. Blind fury. That's what we expect female leaders to be, but how they typically are. Again, we're not going to paint all female leaders in this category. Nope. But the way they typically are, and especially with both Margarets, is that they are calm and fair and well-liked. Right. Because... They have more people in mind than just themselves and their heirs. Right. And that, I think, is a really big difference because they consider people and not just power. But it's weird to me that in the minds of men, women are so power hungry. When it's like, you think we're the power hungry (laughs) ones? Like the, I mean, men. Like, what's the quote? Like, absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's like that's for men. Yeah, because I honestly think that most often women are thinking about their kids, their mm-hmm. spouses, their mm-hmm. friends, their family. And I mean, of course, it's not across the board, but I just think that Queen Victoria, if that was the parody, and if Queen Mary. And Queen Anne, or sorry, Queen Elizabeth I were the parodies for, like, the two queens, Mm -hmm. the Queen of Hearts and the Red Queen. Where are their mothers? The mother figure is non-existent Mm -hmm. because either they were murdered, Mm -hmm. exiled, or Queen Victoria's mother was not, she didn't spend a second alone in a room until she was inaugurated Mm -hmm. or coronated as queen. And the first thing she asked for was an hour by herself. Yeah. Like, they were torturous, terrible, horrible, 
really it was Alexander's no good, very bad day. It yeah. was really bad. And what you are saying is that the Margarets had mothers. Well, it's interesting because remember Margaret Fake the mother first mother had figure. a mother figure because her first mother was imprisoned by a man who wanted, and I'm just going to say that's canon, that he got rid of her to marry his mistress. Right. So we see, Or though, even if she was cheating, or, there's a, men cheat. Yeah. Okay. Especially at this <laughs> point, men were expected to cheat and women were expected not to because you could get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So even if she did cheat, it didn't matter because he was cheating too. Exactly. Okay. You, we know that. But the thing was, she had this very strong female role model. And I think that Margaret II had that too in all of these other cool women who had impacted this just not country of Denmark, but the whole Scandinavian region, you know, like I think that other females showing you how to lead is so cool and something we don't get to see because the typical is that men lead and we learn from their example, which is typically fraught with bullshit. You know, I don't blame people in England for being worried about a king finally coming into power in England. Right. Because people don't like him. Yeah. They liked Elizabeth because like a lot of times, like women are expected. (sighs) They follow suit. They follow suit. Card suit. Card suit. (laughs) (laughs) God damn. They are. We spend too much time together. We do. (laughs) They are expected to follow suit more often because there's this kind of feeling, I think, that like, well, if you're a guy and you fuck up, you'll still be in power regardless. But I feel like women's power is so fragile mm. that like, I think there's this pressure that like, well, if I fuck up, they won't have any problem removing me and putting a man in charge because they're waiting. They are waiting with breath that is baited for me to fuck up because Margaret the first had plenty of. She had boys lined up. Like, she did have heirs every time she was ruling. She had a male heir lined up. The first one died. The second one took over after she died. But, like, each time she was still able to rule because she did it so well. She was ready. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the Lewis Carroll story that I struggle with is that he set up Wonderland as this almost crazy English topiary garden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And every corner you turn, there's this new fucking garden with these crazy people that you have to deal with. But the queen doesn't actually have to deal with all those people. And Mm -hmm. they made it seem like she was frustrated from that. And I just, it is such a male picture of what a female ruling is. And it's honestly, Katie and I have talked about it on the show before. What Katie and I were taught as children, what happens when a woman rules is she becomes explosive because she's too emotional. Mm -hmm. And what we don't learn is that women are charming and smart and political and really have their shit together. Yeah. Just the same way a lot of men do. Mm -hmm. Like, and we're not saying that no men can rule yeah. properly. <laughs> men are also charming and smart and political. It's like, but why Why aren't there as many women on that pedestal? Which yeah. is really, really upsetting. Well, and the, the comment, there's a real commentary on real power. Because you have the Queen of Hearts mm. in the Lewis Carroll stories. And she is seen as this explosive monarch who is a tyrant. But then you realize she doesn't have any power. 
Right. So it's kind of like, well, you don't actually have to like fear her all that much. And I thought about Margaret II as kind of a figurehead. You know, Margaret II probably doesn't actually have that much power in Denmark over the politics because she's not supposed to. Right. She is a figurehead, just like Queen Elizabeth. a constitutional monarchy. Exactly. But both are strong symbols. And I think symbolism also has just as much of a seat at the table because it's how we're all thinking and it affects our actions and how we view the world. Listen, it's our Toby Keith. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. What? I'm just kidding. America. That don't impress me much. Okay, so it's our Shania. It's, it's our Shania. Um, but, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I think that there can be symbolism in politics that does mean something. You know, like... There's nothing that never matters in politics. No. I'm a firm believer in that. Like mm. every small step, everything, they're like, well, only 2% of people feel that way. And it's like, okay, but there are still people who believe that. So like, what are, like, there are still people who believe that like, if a woman gets her period, she's going to start a nuclear war. A rampage. <laughs> Even though like so, Serena Williams can win so when like take a those thousand things seriously. So I don't care if Queen Margaret II can't pass any laws. I, she just made a decree this week. Maybe it's a symbolic decree, but it changes things. And like, what are we, what is the stake we're giving to even just, you know, uh, God, what am I trying to say? Like emotional, non-concrete changes, social changes. I also, I think I love the image of the queen of hearts being a little girl learning wonderland like the way that you talked about margaret knowing all the languages knowing all the customs doing all the things being a part of art being a part of culture i love picturing her sitting there being like okay the time has come the oyster said Mm -hmm. or the walrus said like i love picturing her trying to understand everybody and then people getting mad when she's like no 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 the roses have to be red for this event because yeah. that's going to insult the people that come. It's not me. Right. Well, it's it's the like, party I'm throwing. We're not going to plant red roses. You have to plant white roses and paint them red. Like, yeah. I also imagine that that's how a lot of monarchs feel of like, why are we doing it this way? Yeah. This is so fucked up. But there's 10,000 people telling you, well, like, no, you have to wear like, you know, this on this day because mm-hmm. that's appropriate. And like, you have to do this. And like things, I, <laughs> I do think that that's a part, big part of the you know, uh, rural family and being a part of a rural family is things that don't make any sense, but you have to do them anyways. Right. And I think that maybe the queen of hearts represents someone who's been in that system too long, who just goes fucking crazy. And is also teetering right between the king and the Jack. You are not as powerful as a king, but you are just barely above a Jack. You're lit. You're teetering. You're still 10 points. I did write that. It's like, you know, it's like you're kind of avoiding the queen, but she's also like in between power structures. So that's why you're avoiding her because you're like, I don't know what way you're going to go. Like you're, you're, I don't, you, are you going to cut off my head? Yeah. Are you going to like, I don't listen, know what women value. burn people. Let's be clear. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what value you are going to hold from one second to the next. Yeah. So like their power is always in flux because Women's power is always in flux because there is a man in the wings waiting to take it. Yes. We saw that with Margaret the first. That's why she had to be so careful and she had to be the best ruler and she had to work so fucking hard because well, she knew that there were men waiting in the wings, some that she had brought up 
to take that power from her. And she wasn't even officially be, being able to name the queen, whatever, no. you know? And like, I think that's the same thing with Margaret II. She's trying to make sense of this world that doesn't make sense. And I think that that's why this latest decision from her is so interesting because I think she's trying to save her four grandchildren from that. She's like, okay, the other four, yes, they will have to live in this world. But you guys, now you don't have to be a part of this wonderland that doesn't make sense. Yes. Get away from the dodo birds. Yeah. And Tweedledee and Tweedledum, like, just live your life. Yeah. Because she doesn't want them to turn into a queen of hearts, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think that that's all. I was thinking a lot about the quote from Princess Diana, who you love. (laughs) You mean my hero? Someone asked her, like, do you think you'll ever be, like, the queen of England? She goes, no. She goes, but I'd like to be the queen of people's hearts. And I think that that is what a lot of good women who are in power aim to be. They don't want to be this kind of monetary value ruler, whatever. Like they want to serve the people. And I think queen of the people. Yeah. I think um, queen of people's hearts is where I'm kind of finishing my thoughts on. Yeah. And I think Margaret the first would be so proud. I think she would be of Margaret the second. I think she would be so proud. Yeah. Because like, she led the way for Margaret II to not have to wage war against people and do all these things and marry yeah. off. Because, like, Margaret I had to marry off her, you know, these people to the kings of England to make treaties. And, like, I think she'd be very proud of Margaret II that she didn't have to make those awful decisions. Yeah, she, yeah I agree. That was perfect. <laughs> All right. Wow. wow. Allie, now that we're at the end of the episode. <laughs> we got to toast some people. Who would you like to toast? So I couldn't help this week. So, um, you know, there's that moment in like the Harry Potter books where um, Hermione will raise her hand and both the boys like roll their eyes. Her two best friends mm-hmm. roll their eyes at her. Mm-hmm. And it just like I struggle with that. I struggle also with the way they treat Neville. And and the reason I'm bringing that up is that I think a lot of people have big personalities and it's Mm -hmm. so easy for their best friends and their loved ones to just be like, that's so-and-so. And I just want to bring energy for you to love and accept your so-and-so. Like, I think if the king, instead of undermining the queen of hearts was like, I appreciate what you're trying to do in these death sentences, but let's try to like reform the government and decide what death sentences are mm-hmm. that she wouldn't have been so crazy. Yeah. And I think that so often we're just judged for who we are, whether it's you're a woman in power, so you're nuts or like you're the girl who raises her hand too much or like you're too extra, which we talked about earlier in the show. And I just think maybe we just need to give more grace to the big personalities of the people that we love. Agreed. And that is my toast. Cheers. Mm. What do you got from Margaret? I'm toasting female namesakes. <laughs> I love the idea of women being named after family members and just continuing strong lines of badass women, especially when they're queens. So, like, I don't even think that the funny thing is Margaret the second was not named after Queen Margaret of the 1300s. <laughs> she was named after was like a Margaret different family member. Was her first name? Huh? Was yeah. that her birth name? Yeah, that was okay. her birth from what I understand. Um, but yeah, but I, 
just think it's very interesting. It reminds me of, again, thank you, Maureen, for bringing this up, Gilmore Girls, <laughs> when, like, Lorelai's, like, men named boys after themselves all the time. So, like, yeah, this is going to be Lorelai the... Th- well, actually, Lorelai the third. Yeah, because, because she was named after Richard's her grandmother. Mom, yeah. Yeah. So, I love naming, you know, children after family members, like, you know, like I always thought like, a, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with kids, but like naming our daughter, like something with our grandmother's names. So I think yeah. it'd be so cool. Absolutely. I think it's important, you know? Yeah. Both of our kids' middle names were really important about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It, it is just, it is what it is. It is. I yes, love it. Good cheers. Cheers. To namesakes. Namesakes. Because <laughs> women deserve them because mm-hmm. we get our last names taken away. Exactly. That is another funny conversation I'm having all the time now people are like have you changed your name i'm like no but not because of any like thing i'm just like i just don't feel like it it's, it's so, so much, much work. fucking work <laughs> i re- producer and i talked about it and it's like i would change my name back if it wasn't so it fucking wasn't so much hard paperwork. i'm not trying to do the paperwork i'll no. just i'll stick it no. out too crazy okay what are you enjoying in pop culture this week katie i cannot so Eliza has been begging and begging. We have a Friday night movie night every Friday with me, the girls, producer, and sister. Mm -hmm. And she has been begging to watch this Netflix original cartoon called Sea Beast. And we were like, ugh. We kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Katie? Cinematic masterpiece. Really? Not only is it good, it's culturally good. Okay. Let me run down. It's a pirate flick. Okay. Uh... A pirate flick where the pirates are working for a government. But the pirate boat is multi-gendered, multi-ethnic, but also still real. So there are black women and men. Asian men and women. Like, people who would have been pirates. They're very Mm -hmm. Irish, very black, very Asian. Um, It's, like, very true to it. The first mate is a woman who's fucking cool as shit. Uh, but the, I mean, the main characters are still, and the captain still men like amazing, but the head star of the show is this little girl and little black girl, curly hair, amazing. And she gets on the ship. She's an orphan. Both her parents have died and she's like, I'm going to be on this ship. But the movie is not only culturally acceptive, but it is great. So there are one quote from the movie that stuck like producer and I looked at each other's eyeballs and we're like, this is the end of it. There is a white male character who the captain is kind of dead. He's supposed to be next in command and she's calling him a hero. And he's like, I'm not a hero. I X, Y, Z. And she goes, you can be a hero and make mistakes. Mm. And we all went, Everybody yeah. in the room <laughs> just like covered our faces and was like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you can be. And but we thought it was going to be so stupid. We thought it was going to be this little girl with this little sea beast living on a pirate ship. And it was not like this movie deserves Oscars. And then I brought it up on a hayride. A hay- <laughs> when were you on? When do you have time to be on a hayride? Baby girl, I have so much time. (laughs) I was on a hayride with all my best friends and all their kids. And I was like, okay, so who's seen Sea Beast? And like five or six people were like, we saw it. Amazing. Little boys, little girls, grown Mm. men, 
yo, white, black, all these different colors. We're like, this is a great movie. I cannot okay. promote this movie. I mean, as adults, I would watch it again alone with producer. Really? Yeah. All right. I, Official wreck. I uh, really... It was a changing movie, and I think that more <laughs> children should watch it because it's like men, women, culture, and also good people can make bad decisions, and that's also not the end of their life. Yeah. Shit! That. All Everybody right. go watch TV. We're going to actually watch it and talk about it next week. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay, what do you have to do? I'm going to recommend a show on Amazon Prime called The Outlaws. Is it as good as Sea Beast? I don't know. I haven't seen Sea Beast, but it is really <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> So this is a show okay. created and written by uh, Stephen Merchant, who okay. you might know. He's, he's the very tall, pale, like big-eyed British actor who was in the original version of The Office. He like created it with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. I actually don't even, even know if he was in it. But he's been in a ton of stuff since, and like he's so fucking funny. Yes. The whole show takes place within a group that is doing community service together. Stop. And everyone is there for various reasons. And you like slowly learn the various reasons and everyone and Christopher Walken's in it. He's so perfect. You mean who, <laughs> who knows who killed Natalie Wood? Exactly. <laughs> and the show is so good. Okay. It's really funny, but it's also really exciting. Like every time an episode ends, it's like, fuck, I want to watch another one, but we don't have time because they are an hour long. But it's just so entertaining, and all the characters are so good, and I just love it. And everybody grows – like, there are some episodes where, like, they kind of do the typical thing of, like, well, the character's going to let you down in this way. Mm. And then they realize that they're letting people down in the, by the end of the episode, and they do come through. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, sometimes they let you down. But it's – so good. So the Outlaws on Amazon Prime, it's starting its second season. It's like, I think it did its second season already, if it's not in the middle of it now. But it's fantastic. I love that. It's great. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You can be the queen of our hearts on Patreon. Find us everywhere. Like us everywhere. And then, of course, again, queen mm-hmm. of our hearts on Patreon. Mm-hmm. And you can hear a little extras. And then every now and again, we just send you surprise shit in the mail. Surprise and you'll just be like, shit. what? You love it, and we love you. And if you wouldn't mind popping over and giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, mm. that would be great. Uh, I'm going to say it again. We haven't gotten one since July, guys. So you we could take a second. Hop if you've done it before, it. do it again. You, and you know, assholes. I would love what? it if you gave like a you know Dwight Schrute kind of review and said, "This is your review. Good job." Someone would like to write that. That would yeah. be amazing. I mean, we sent something in the mail one time to somebody who, because we told them to use a word. Oh, it was the buzzard. Yeah, the buzz. <laughs> if you use buzzard in your review, we would send you a present. And we great. did. We fucking did send that person a gift. So, so we have fun over there. So please join us. We'll be here right after. Um, but we love you. And we want you to never forget that well-behaved women have a measuring device for a pinch of salt. Yes, they do. And they rarely make history. Goodbye.
to her story on the rocks. We are independently produced by 1986 Entertainment and proudly recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. If there's a woman in history you would like us to cover, you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter or Instagram. We post all of our cocktail recipes on Tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us. See you next week. Bye.